Hello, my name is Chris Bett and welcome to Saturday at Three's Two Defeats from a Crisis. On this episode, we'll be looking back on Rangers booking their place in the Via Play Cup final against Celtic, which will take place on Sunday the 26th of February as they defeated Aberdeen 2-1 after extra time. Joining me to go through this, um, Rangers victory is first of all, Dave. Dave, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, mate. I've just about recovered after watching that day. Uh, I'm sure you have plenty to say. Um, and also joining Dave and I is producer Andrew. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm good, Chris. I'm good. You know, right result happened today, so I'm happy. I feel I feel as if I've not spoke to you in a wee while, so uh, it's, um, thing, things have been actually not too bad since we last spoke, actually. Um, things are going in the right direction anyway. All I'm saying is, Chris, since we started this podcast, Rangers haven't lost a game yet, so what well, can I say? Oh, that can't be right, surely. Did we not cover the St. Johnson defeat? Did you? I know I know from how miserable you generally are, Chris, that you can't think that's possibly true, but I can assure you it is. Wow, that's an incredible statistic. Wow. <laughs> if that's not a reason to like and subscribe and follow us, I don't know what is. Um, but it is. Right, we'll come on to that soon. We'll come on to that soon. Um, look, Dave, let's just dive right in. It. Rangers team lineup: um, McGregor and goals, Tav right back, Davies, Goldson, and Barisic. Jack Lundstrom, Sakala, Kent Tillman and Morelos up front. Uh, I don't know what you do, but we're obviously 15 days into January because we are recording this on the day of the victory or the evening of the victory. Um, we're 15 days into January, so we technically have just, you know, 15, 16 days left uh, to sign players. Seeing that lineup for this game, you know, in my head, uh, you know, December 31st, January 1st, I had this as not not sweeping changes in terms of five, six, seven new players, but certainly two players were in my head to to have obviously be starting this game back back at the, the very start of January. But the fact we're so kind of at the midway point of January and there's no new signings, seeing that team in a semi-final, it's very samey, very boring, very dull. Um, and I kind of get a wee bit frustrated myself that I get frustrated watching the team when there is no new signings because we are just going to get the same performances, albeit there has been a complete shift in mentality, which we will come to, but the performance is still, still not up to scratch. So are you as, as depressing that lineup as, as I am, considering where we are in the January window, halfway through it? Um, I, I think so. I mean, we all know the problems in the team are glaringly obvious and I'd like to think even whether it was from Broadcaster or Wilson in this, uh, sorry, for Broadcaster or Beal in this window, we should have had some sort of signings lined up ready to go. That's the whole point of the director of football thing. You think we would have opened the window with two or three moves, especially because now we've got two season-defining games. We've got today and then we've got the Scottish Cup as well. Feeling them in the season is going to peter out. And the fact that we've not added, we're adding a guy possibly Cantwell who... Doesn't look as if he's going to address the main areas that need strengthening. And the general feeling of staleness. It's just, I, I just, it's got staleness for me. It's like any workplace that hasn't been invested in or upgraded or freshened. It's samey and it's stale. Although I had that said, I thought the lineup was, considering what he's got to work with, fairly attacking. I like the four attackers and a bit as strong as it could be. Uh, the bench was pretty weak, I thought. Well, that's it. You know, you addressed two issues there. The, the, the starting lineup probably is. The strongest we can we can put out, um, albeit a few injuries, obviously Haji uh, and and Ridvan um, and Tom Lawrence. So obviously they're they're exceptions at the moment because of the injuries. But the the lack of imagination from the bench is a, is a is a real worry. Albeit slightly contradictory because um, one of the substitutions that Michael Beale did make did have a a good impact. Uh, actually two, if you if you include Scott Wright as well, but. It, it's just, I think you hit the nail on the head there, stale, um, it's very, very stale and it's, we really urgently, and I'm sure we will come to this at, at the end of the podcast after we've kind of dissected the game, but we, we quite clearly urgently need players in. Um, if this slow approach, Andrew, is because we are looking to identify the right players, um, we will get away with it and I, I will understand that approach to a certain degree. I don't want players in for the sake of getting players in and Michael Beale has said that, but surely there should have been more urgency up to this point now. Yeah, I think as me and Dave talked about on the preview show, the midfield is an area that really, really concerns me at the moment, especially after the injury of Stephen Davis. You know, we, we saw how kind of ineffectual Lundstrom was today. I don't think he had a particularly good game. Um, and then when Kamara came on as well, I don't think he added a lot. So midfield 
beyond anything else is an area of the team that desperately needs kind of immediate action um to not have seen any kind of movement on that so far is obviously concerning but as you say bill bill's talking about not just adding players for the sake of six months he's looking to add players for the long term so we'll see what happens yeah absolutely um and just before we get into the action uh dave obviously Ange Postecoglou had a kind of parting shot towards the pitch at Hamden um, in his, his post-match press conference um, after Celtic's game yesterday. And, uh, you know, you have to say he was absolutely right because that pitch was an utter disgrace. Even before a ball was kicked, you could see where it had obviously been cut up and you could see the, the areas of concern. And as the game progressed, obviously, it was 120 minutes because it was an extra time. It was just getting worse and worse. That seriously, seriously needs to be addressed before next one's cup final, but I doubt it will. Oh, I, I mean, the pitch, it rained pretty much consistently all day yesterday, for what I saw. The park looked soft anyway. It just... It was borderline dangerous at times, and it, it might have made it a better spectacle for the neutral, but as an actual game of football for the purest, it, it kind of killed it. Certainly towards the end as it cut up more, the ball was in the air for long periods of time, players weren't able to get their foot in. It was a leveller for Aberdeen, because they were just knocking it into your box, and it was causing panic. Um, but that, to be the National Stadium, is a disgrace, and obviously they want to have this semi-finals in the same weekend there's no reason they couldn't have been spaced out or used a different stadium I'm not a fan of Hamden anyway never have been I, I live about a mile for it and I'd rather go to Murrayfield it's actually easier for me to get to Murrayfield than just jump the train transport links are poor sight lines are terrible and if the park's just going to cut up like that there is no point having it as a national stadium I don't know why they didn't make us play at Parkhead and then play at Ibrox if that was the state of the park. that's the easy option isn't it um, let's get into the game Andrew Rangers had a very bright start. I would say we had a, a fairly decent 20 minutes, first 20 minutes, but we had a very poor final 25 minutes. Uh, certainly in that first 10 minutes, Rangers were, were looking pretty dominant. We hit the post within the first four minutes. Fashion Sakala hit the post. It was a well-worked corner routine. It was a short one, uh, Tav to, to Kent, and then obviously the ball went in. Uh, sorry, it was um, Barisic to Kent to Tav, and Taft put the ball in and Sakala hit the post. So it was a brilliant start and, and Rangers looked to be, you know, set starting the game pretty much unlike we have started games recently. Um, on the front foot, looking to kind of make something happen, get that early goal, settle the nails. Um, and then, as I say, it kind of just fell away. But uh, a comment or two about the start Rangers made? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of agree. I mean, certainly the first 15 looked pretty good, um, but we kind of had a bit of a warning shot just on the 15-minute mark when uh, their boy, uh, I think it's Roderick, went through. He looked really good today, but he um, he had what looked like an amazing run through and finish, um, only for the uh, you know linesman to eventually raise his flag to tell him he was offside. But yeah, I think certainly in the first 15-20, we looked brighter, but I, I think... We, we saw a lot of what we've seen previously with this Rangers team where we look okay, verging on to pretty good, but we're not really that incisive in the final third. We're not doing too much damage. Um, and that was obviously going to be a concern going forward. Well, we'll just come to that chance. And obviously, Andrew, you're the producer, so what you say goes. But his actual name is Mavoski. But um, Roderick was through on goal. Um, and It's an Aberdeen player. I mean, for, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll producer, so if, he, if, he's, if he's getting called Roderick, that's it. Um, but listen, you're absolutely right. It was a warning shot. Um, really, really poor. Well, can't really say that because we played the offside trap to perfection because he obviously was offside. Um, but the, the the fact that the boy got in behind, uh, it was a warning shot, as you say. Have to say what a finish it was. Concerned by the lack of movement by McGregor, got away with it. Could also point to the fact that he knew it was offside because he, he would probably say that anyway, wouldn't he? But, you know, we will come at the Aberdeen goal, but it just shows you that you just have to play at the whistle, and obviously the the line, uh, the linesmen, are, they're instructed because of VAR to be having a delay and and putting the flag up, and it's one of those ones because it was quite a tight call, um, and the fact that he had so much time, space, just to kind of execute that finish, it, it's really disappointing that when we actually did lose a goal, that we still were making the same the same errors. So, Dave, obviously at that point. Do you, did, did you think that maybe this was just Aberdeen's kind of only real clear-cut chance that they were going to have this half? Or could you see, I'm going to say an onslaught of Aberdeen chances or, or, or Aberdeen dominance, but could could you see Aberdeen were kind of creeping into it? They were definitely creeping into it. And as I said, the, the kind of running theme for me with the match was 
how panicked we were at the back every time they get forward. And as you see, that goal, that, that offside goal came from that same ball in the channel between Davies and Borna. It's opened us up. The boys, Davies has stepped up well. The boys are flashing a second away for being through. And it's the same, just an aimless ball into that area. Two of them. And we're opened up. And the players are struggling to get their footing. So defensively, it's pretty poor all round. I, I sort of absolve McGregor at blame for the first two. It's... it's, it's to be fair, it's hit his face. He should maybe just put his face in the road. But it comes right at him. Good finish for the boy, but I think we we want to watch VAR, obviously, would I say it is there anyway. But defensively, just too shaky for my liking. But I Aberdeen, you could tell they were going to carry a threat. As I say, the conditions meant that anything forward was causing panic, so they were carrying a threat. Yeah. And uh, Rangers obviously still were creating chances. There was a chance when Morelos went through. I think a fully fit and fully in shape of Fredo Morelos takes another few touches and actually goes into the box and then unleashes a shot. But he actually takes the shot just outside the box, which was fairly poor because I feel that there was a real chance there. And then, of course, Morelos has a header, which is saved by the goalkeeper, and he has kind of manic appeals that the ball has been over the line. Uh, but rather interestingly, Rangers, uh, sorry, Scottish football, we don't use goal-line technology, but because the game is at Hamden, and I brought this uh, up in the group chat, guys, obviously, because the game is at Hamden, um, it must be a requirement for all international games now to have goal-line technology, so goal-line technology was, in fact, in use for this game, and Nick Walsh, the referee, was pointing to his watch to say to Alfredo Morelos, it's, my watch hasn't been off, so it can't be a goal. There was then a kind of graphic showing you that the ball clearly wasn't over the line. And the reason I'm giving this so much airtime um, is because of the reaction, not just by Alfredo Morelos, by the way, but there was quite a bit of three or four Rangers players frantically appealing um, that the ball was over the line. And by doing so, they stopped doing what they should have been doing, which is falling in, falling the ball. Um, they just stopped and went to appeal. And I don't like to see that because the players would have been aware that goaling technology was in use. So I don't know what, what the, the point of appealing for it is going to do. Because if the if the watch doesn't send the signal to the referee, um, you're not going to get the goal no matter how much you appeal. So that, that was really disappointing for me to see the players react like that. Rangers... Um, this season have been doing really silly things like that. You can point to, obviously, the game at Parkhead where we're switching off or wanting to argue with the ref or wanting to moan about decisions that we feel should have went our way, whether they should have went our way or not. The fact is the referee's decision is final and if you switch off for that momentary lapse, um, you are obviously could be punished. And in this instance, we're punishing ourselves by stopping to appeal, whereas the ball's still in play and it's still there to be won. There's still a chance to score a goal. So, Andrew, were you as frustrated about the reaction of the players as I was? Or is it just a natural instinct for the players to obviously appeal for stuff like that? Because they clearly felt the goal, eh, sorry, the ball was over the line, they were wrong. But should they have just kept playing until obviously the, the game came to a stop? I mean, I, I get the instincts to appeal, but I don't. Th- I think you have to play to the whistle. Um, but it's not as though, you know, that's anything that will come up later on during this match and, you know, we'd have anything to criticise the players about, right? Well, that's it. I was just setting it up nicely because, you know, you're talking five, six minutes later, um, a ball was played through, a kind of high ball, as, as, as Dave was mentioning. Obviously, they were causing us troubles all day. And the the Aberdeen player, I, I don't even know if it was Magoski himself, but it was clearly uh, like a mile offside. It was uh, well well played again by Ben Davis. Um, however, Matty Kennedy was, as much as Magoski was offside, Matt Kennedy was was just as much onside, and he follows the ball, and Borna Barisic, it, it, it doesn't seem to have stopped, Borna Barisic has stopped, and he's not tracked Matty Kennedy, who has obviously continued to follow the ball, and he breaks through, um, and Barisic is completely to blame for this for me, but the whole Rangers defence actually stopped. Um, I, I I just don't understand why because Matt, as I say, Matty Kennedy is clearly onside, um, and he breaks through, plays the ball across. Myvoski with a quite a cute finish, he has to sort of kind of raise his leg up to a, a, an angle to try and kind of just steal the ball home. McGregor, uh, I've seen some criticism for him at this goal. Yeah, um, fairly weak goalkeeping. Uh, however, it should never have got that far. It should never have been anywhere near. Alan McGregor, because if, if Barisic is aware, concentrating on his toes and follows the run, Matt Kennedy doesn't get to break through because it's a, it's a simple it's a simple ball back to McGregor or a, or a, a ball out for a, a throw-in for Aberdeen. Um, and it was just absolutely 
a shocking goal to give away. Schoolboy error after schoolboy error. But Borna Barisic once again is caught sleeping. And it's happening all too often now. And I, I, I'm on record saying, like, get Yilmaz in as soon as as soon as soon he's ready. Obviously, he's carrying a knock and what we've been told, he might be a month away. I'm now at the stage where Adam Devine has to be the, the first-choice left-back now because as much as Borna can be effective going forward, of course he can. These goals that we're conceding from full-back uh, positions is just, it's just not on anymore. And it's going to cost us uh, if we continue to, obviously... Um, persevere with us and that's my worry and Barisic for me is beyond repair in that in that respect Dave I don't know if I'm being too harsh or if you agree with me or maybe there's a wee bit in the middle there um, but I just uh, no, nah, I've, I've, I've had enough of this now it's, if this was a one-off fine it can happen but this is not a one-off I've seen this four or five times now with Bonner in the last kind of 12 months and it's clearly now a massive flaw in his game I, I mean, that today is borderline unforgivable. I mean, a couple of things. First of all, I take exception to the point about schoolboy defending. I spent my morning coaching school girls and they don't stop running. You have to actually tell them to calm down. So, Borna just chucking it and switching off is like sub-schoolboy, school girl level. It's just not good enough. Especially in a game of that magnitude. A cup semi-final against rivals. You can't be just a dereliction of duty on Borna's part. And the other thing that kind of creeps in you mentioned a minute ago was the this naivety that seems to have infected the team and it could they possibly have been there last year because you don't get a European final if you're not good at in-game management and good at being smart about the game but again switching off protesting the the display if you want to call it that Celtic Park earlier in the season when we were just switching off at throw-ins and letting them basically do what they wanted the lack of smartness in possession towards the end, there just seems to be a sort of naivety, huffiness, real lack of experience and leadership in the team where we do these stupid things. We'll come on to it, but we could have lost the game. We could have had to go to penalties because of our behaviour in the last couple of minutes. We're just not playing very smartly at the minute. But on Borna, I, I don't... You know my view, the players are a lot harder on the individuals in, in the, the squad than I am. I, I don't tend to turn on players because, one, you're kind of stuck with them for a length of time in a way you're maybe a manager, so you have to put up with them and deal with it. And I've never really liked throwing about the, the bottlers tag, although I've, I've felt compelled to in the last couple of weeks. But see, when you watch stuff like that, you've just got to start... I'm, I'm at the point now where I'm, like, I'm, I'm exasperated by what you're seeing on the park and from a, that's a mental thing that's not a fitness and ability thing and the, the whole squad but Borna is just emblematic because he is the worst for the switching after naivety being influenced by external factors truly great players just don't do that they don't let things affect them they don't let their confidence go down the, the guy who the last guy we had of a similar ilk Sasa Papach just wouldn't do that just constantly on it always a mentality monster just always going so on Borna and in the, the squad in general, we know it needs surgery, but I'm starting to get to the point where you are, which is the squad. Many of them have ran their race. Yeah, um, and that 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 is it. It's it's you know it, it gets the, the the feeling magnifies for me that this is very much a Rangers team at the end, not at the beginning. Although we do have a new manager, um, it, it's it has to be careful management by Michael Beale between now and the end of the season to obviously try and get his best. Um, outcome for Rangers in, in all aspects in, in terms of this cup competition in terms of Scottish Cup in terms of the league you can argue we can obviously still win this cup because we're in the final um, I have to say right now if there is no signings which I just that's just unfathomable I, I cannot imagine that's going to be the case but if that is the case which I, I, again I'll repeat I absolutely do not believe that will be the case but if, if it is I can't see any way how we win this trophy. I can't see any way how we win the Scottish Cup. And then obviously, it looks like we're going to get second place anyway now. Um, I just can't see any way how we run them as close as we need to. So there has to be be short-term changes to the team. And and one of the short-term changes to the team has to be in that left-back area for me. And that's where I'm at now with Borna. Because as much as Devine will probably make mistakes as part of his development... I think you're going to find that they'll be more rare than than Bonner um, in terms of making mistakes because, as I said now, it seems to be happening all too often with Bonner. And it's just, it's got to the point, I just feel as if he cannot be rehabilitated. There's plenty, 
of players within this Rangers team that I feel can no, well, actually, sorry, I feel as if they can be rehabilitated, but they they will probably prove me wrong. But Bonner certainly isn't one of them, um, and that 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 today just epitomised what what Bonner's all about. Um, because don't get me wrong, there was a few decent deliveries by him today, um, but the the one mistake he makes costs us a goal, and it could have been really really costly. So just just get onto that, obviously. Get into the second half, I wasn't really feeling confident. And as much as Michael Beale has actually proven himself over the last couple of weeks as a Rangers manager, get into halftime either um, losing or even drawing, he's shown he can get a reaction. I would love Rangers to start second halves. The way they start second halves, I'd love, I'd love Rangers to start first halves like that. And as soon as Beale works out that kind of formula, we're going to, we are going to see a different Rangers team. But I don't know, there was just something uh, nagging away at me today that kind of... I was just like, I just don't know where this is going to come from. Maybe our luck's ran out. Clearly, that wasn't the case. Um, but we will come on to some of the things that you mentioned there, Dave. Obviously, um, game management, I just thought that was just ridiculous towards the end. Um, and obviously, we, we did get away with it. But we're at the stage now, I have to say, where each passing game where mistakes like this are happening, there's going to be one game that will bite us in the arse unless there is some changes. So if we look at the second half... Um, Rangers did start well. I, I have to say I was quite surprised by Aberdeen's approach, Andrew. They, they seemed to let Rangers have the ball drop that wee bit deeper, look to almost defend what they had. And, I, you know, if, I, if I'm an Aberdeen fan, I'm not very happy about that because I think Rangers were there for the taking. Because as I said, it would, we looked more fragile than usual, especially towards the end of that first half. And that's where I didn't get the confidence that we were going to go on and turn this around. But Aberdeen's approach to the second half certainly you know, fell into our hands and, and fell into our favour. Yeah, I, I think when we see, you know, Goodwin's done this before playing against Rangers. Uh, I, I think he he tends to overthink this game massively. Um, I, I think he just, he got the fear, wants to protect that that one goal lead. I don't think they made any real effort to um, to go on the attack. And, and it ultimately it cost them. But... Yeah, I mean, you know, certain body language experts in our group chat were convinced that the players were, were obviously not going to do the business in the second half. Um, so it's pleasing That's, to see them uh, come back into the game. I just, I just couldn't see it. I really, like, I was, I was watching them, um, and obviously for any of the listeners, Andrew was referring to me, though, um, get onto the pitch with their heads down, and they're not talking to each other, and they're just kind of walking on instead of running on. And I was just like, oh, no, this could be the day, and what, a, what an occasion for it to actually happen. Um, and by that I meant like the very worst possible outcome. But as I said, surprised by Aberdeen's approach, fell right into our hands. Um, Rangers were pretty dominant for that first kind of 15-20 minutes. We get the breakthrough through Ryan Jack. Um, Fredo Morelos gets a bit of space, plays the ball out to the edge of the box, and Ryan Jack um, hits it home, and it's one each. I mean, if I was to pick anybody to score a goal in, in, a, in an occasion like this against Aberdeen, it certainly would be Ryan Jack. Ryan Jack absolutely loved it. I wouldn't mean, I mean, go as far, Dave, as saying it was a fantastic shot, a fantastic finish. It was a pretty average shot, to be honest with you. Again, if I'm an Aberdeen fan, which obviously I'm not, I'm quite disappointed in my goalkeeper there. I'm quite disappointed in the defending. Um, but who cares? Rangers, Rangers are back in the game, and it's it's game on at this point. Uh, your thoughts on the goal? I thought um, I, I know what you're saying about body language and that, and it didn't look great. But I did feel we had a goal in this day. I thought Aberdeen were always going to sit in for periods and try and hold on, and it was that's the way the first half largely went anyway. They had sporadic attacks, and we sort of made most of the running. I I, I thought with a goal in this, I don't I, I wasn't too confident when we made two in this, but. Um, it's it shows the benefit of shooting from from range and trying trying that out. It takes a big deflection off the ball. I've not actually seen it from behind the goal to see. It. I don't think it makes a material difference. I think that slows it down because it goes in the it goes in the side the goal he's expecting it to go, and it just kind of trundles in. But again, we create so many opportunities in and around the box. Shooting for me generally is almost always the worst option because shooting has a fairly low return rate from outside the box. So you should always be, we should always be trying to create ma- the, the optimal chances. But taking a wee ping every now and again, when you don't have a clear sight of goal, pays off, as it has done there. But uh, no, glad, obviously glad we're back in it. But it was a good time to get the goal. And it's always lovely when it's Ryan Jack who shuts them up. Andrew? 
Yeah, just looking at the goal. So I've got the angle from behind it. Um, it looks like it's going to the left side of the goal when Jack hits it. Takes a beautiful assist off of scales and it goes to the right-hand side of the goal instead. I think oh, either so. way, uh, I think despite the deflection, I don't think the keeper's getting to it either way. Um, the pace Jack hits it at and where it's going into the goal, the keeper's never touching it before the deflection. The deflection just makes it funnier. <laughs> yeah. Um Rangers' reaction to scoring the goal is fairly typical of us. We become more confident, zipping the ball about, looking dangerous. But that only lasted for a couple of minutes before we sort of retreated a little bit. It was almost as if, right, we've got the kind of um, the impetus now to go and win this. We, we are the favourites to go and win this now. Uh, um, let's just take a kind of five, ten minute kind of you know, gathering to kind of gather thoughts, gather the team, organise everything and then we'll go for the win. And then obviously when that happens, um, Aberdeen start to create some chances, which is really, really frustrating um, because, again, that is something that's crept into this Rangers team since the start of this season. Well, when we do have the, the, the opportunity to, one for a better phrase, put the, the boot on the throat, we, we seem to not go for it right there at the very moment when we should be. There's always that kind of hesitancy. And it almost cost us. Aberdeen get a ball into the box. Um, I think it was Kennedy that, that brought the ball down, played it out, and Mayvoski again hits the shot and it hits the post. On further review, it would have been offside anyway because Kennedy was clearly offside and he played the ball back. But again, Dave, another warning shot and another... It should have been another rocket up the arse, really, to say, why are we not going for the win? Why, why are we stepping back? after getting back into the game when we should be taking a step forward after getting back into the game looking to kind of kill it off because Aberdeen certainly were there for the taking and Rangers allowed them straight back in it. Aye, this is this is one of the bugbears of me that since my broadcast came in and we've not quite got it back under Bill yet. We could, under Bill and Gerard when we were good, we could stifle teams by dominating the ball, moving the ball around, keep it off them for long periods. Game management was excellent, particularly in Europe where we could... Soften the game and, and just just take the sting out of it a wee bit. We we continued to play Aberdeen's game and I had to watch it the tele today and I was getting in trouble off my missus because that passage of play where the boys pinging around the box, nobody's dealing with it, it's panic stations. I was screaming and shouting at the top of my lungs at the telly because it just wasn't getting dealt with. And that was the, the hallmark. And if you we know we're going to be shaky at the back, I, I don't understand why. Uh, presumably we're not trying not to, but when you start taking a better grip of games and getting the controlling with possession and defending in possession better because as you say Aberdeen had three or four scrambles after the goal and each one of them presented pretty much a, a, a decent opportunity if somebody had just had a wee bit of composure to get the end of it so again more panic stations at the back and not even getting extra time why we don't step on and try and kill these games when we're clearly the better side clearly on top when we're going forward we can't particularly we look really threatening but we seem determined to let teams come back at us. Yeah, um, and Michael Beale responded by making two substitutions. Malik Tillman off for Kamara and Alfredo Morelos came off for Kamal Roof. Kamal Roof coming on says to me that obviously we're going to try and win the game in regulation time because I, I, I just felt obviously we'll come on to what happened to Roof um, when, when, when it, the time comes for that. But I just felt as if Kamal Roof didn't have, you know, 20 minutes of normal time plus an extra half an hour of extra time in him anyway because uh, he's not played much football. So that to me was a signal of intent. But the game sort of kind of petered out, became a bit of a basketball game, end-to-end -end without any real chances created. Both teams kind of lacked a wee bit of composure defensively. There was, as, as you mentioned, Dave, a few scrambles in each box. Um, and then inexplicably, um, Anthony Stewart just, I, I, you know, again, I don't care because I'm a Rangers fan, but in first viewing, I thought, oh, that maybe just looks a bit harsh because of the, the, the pace and what the boy was going into fashion Sakala. But on second viewing, when obviously you've got the benefit of the replay, it's a horrendous tackle. It's it's not just a kind of automatic red card. Like he should be up in court the next day for assault. What he's doing as Captain Aberdeen in a cup semi-final in the last minute of, well, the, the, the last dying minutes of, of um, normal time, I will never, ever understand. And that gave Rangers a massive advantage as obviously he received the red card. Um, it, it was an assault, Andrew. It's wild, man. Um, I, I've looked at the reaction from the Aberdeen fans. They're, they're shocked by it, which probably tells you how fearsome it was. 
Um, yeah, and and it's not like Sakala's running through on goal. You know, he's going through into the corner. He's he's not in a dangerous area realistically for Aberdeen. And it's the ninety second minute. It's more likely. I mean, it's Sakala, so you honestly don't know what he's going to do. But I cannot think what on earth he's trying to do that with that. You know attempt at a tackle. Um, Zagal does really well to avoid getting injured in there because he's in danger of getting badly hurt. And, you know, given how Roof can be at the best of times, the state of Morelos and Cholak being out, we don't really have a lot of options when it comes to the striking position. So, you know, it it was a worry to see see that kind of um, tackle go in on Zagala. Um, and yeah, just absolutely wild from Stuart. No idea what he's thinking. Dave, can you try and put some sense into it? No, it's it's wild. Fashion does really well to knock the ball through his legs to, to kind of make it look, prevent him getting any contact in the ball. But even if he does get contact in the ball, it's still going to be a foul because he thunders into him. He hits him a waist high. If the, the lucky thing for Sakala is the part was cutting up because see if his studs were planted and his weight was in his leg, that is a a leg breaker or a knee injury or a tendon injury. It, the boy's whole weight's behind it. He's full momentum right into Sakala. It's the reddest red card you'll ever see. And once again, the only person in the entire universe who seems to be contesting this point is the, none other than Michael Stewart. I was actually going to say, I've seen it on Twitter, um, I actually had some banter with some Celtic fans on Twitter about this because obviously there was one in particular big Celtic account that said, um, surprise, surprise, it was either a red card or a penalty. And I was just like, are you at it? Have you seen this? And he messaged me back saying, yeah, I have seen it. I, I actually, I can't, you, that's a red card. Jim Goodwin, the Aberdeen manager, has come out and said it's a red card. The the kind of general consensus of the Aberdeen fans on social media is it was a red card. No many complaints. And um, there was literally, from memory, I, I don't think there was many uh, protests from Aberdeen players when it happened. And yet, Michael Stewart, um, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I, the guy clearly has a, has a has a gimmick and he he fulfills that gimmick to the the fullest um just ridiculous how he can even come out with comments like that but the game end the game ended in uh, regulation time one each and uh, i feel very american i think it's because you're on andrew saying regulation time um just gonna just gonna <laughs> go I'll, I'll go with normal time um so obviously the game finished in normal time one each it went to extra time and michael beale withdrew john lundstrom and he brought on scott Wright. now yeah, I'm probably one of them. I was like, ah, brilliant. Bringing on Scott Wright, you know what I mean, in a semi-final. Um, Scott Wright's got a decent record at Hamden, and he lived up to that because he really changed that first 10 minutes of extra time um, in Rangers' favour. Just before the goal, Tav, uh, the ball came out of Tav just outside the kind of 18-yard box, took a couple of touches into the box. He then takes a shot, deflected onto the crossbar, um, goal kick, Aberdeen, OK. Um, and then Scott Wright, as I mentioned, gets the ball on the left-hand side. Works his way into the box, puts the ball across the six-yard box. There's Kemal Roof. You said they've the Kemal Roof barge goal. Um, we've seen that plenty of times. Fantastic finish. I mean, as much as it's uh, it's quite a term of endearment, Dave. I know you mean no disrespect to Kemal Roof at all with that. It's a much, much, much better finish than than the description that you give because when you actually, <laughs> it really, it really is a quality finish. Aye, it's 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 meant as a kind of. But it's the Kamar Roof hallmark in it, it's his trademark, it's a wee two yard, five yard, just pop up right place, right time and just barge it in. Nothing flashy, first time finish, bang, in the net and how many times, unfortunately obviously as things turn out we maybe not see it for a while, but how many times has Kamar Roof bailed us out with that special move, the two yard barging, out of nothing. I can think of three or four off the top of my head where he's rescued the points with He's, oh, it's when fit. Caveat for a lot of them, but particularly him. What an asset he is. What a pe- best penalty box striker we've had probably since McCoy's for just popping up in the right place, right time. And uh, aye, lovely finish. I, I, I agree with your Scott Wright point as well. Excellent when he came on. Really, when he first burst into the team, he looked like a kind of deputy Kent, a kind of Kent light, if you like. Pacey direct, running at players, trying to make things happen, exciting on the ball. And then he kind of lost his way a wee bit. But if that's the level he's going to play at, then he's got a something to offer as a squad player but he definitely uh, he, he turned the tide and he did something else to think about definitely yeah and uh, the only I mean this can only happen in Scottish football uh, after Kamal Roof scored there was an issue with VAR and obviously Nick Walsh was trying to get it sorted 
And then there was an announcement saying that VAR would no longer be in play for the game. And then two minutes later, there was another announcement saying that VAR will be in play in the game. Again, Scottish football unrivaled, unmatched, um, just for complete uh, banter, really. Um, so I don't think we'll see that in many of the big leagues, um, especially in like La Liga or obviously the English Premier League. We won't see that when we're watching the TV. So that's something that we can all kind of be proud about or maybe... Maybe some of us might be ashamed about it, but it's it just uh, Scottish football, Andrew. Really, it just makes you laugh. I mean, it's better than that pre-season tournament where we couldn't finish the match because no one could figure out how to turn the lights on in the stadium. So you know, there are levels to this game. Hey, I'll have you know, <laughs> Andrew. I'll have you know, David Graham done his absolute best to get the lights on. Do you know that? <laughs> I know he was great. He was on the pitch there, demanding that someone you know figure out how to unlock the lock. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> so Rangers have taken the lead and Aberdeen are down to 10 men a dominant position and a third goal is there it is there all day long and Rangers do what they do um, they've done what they've done in the first half after Jack scored we sit back and we allow Aberdeen to have the ball and we allow Aberdeen to cause us one or two problems very very frustrating and that became the theme of the match until the final whistle Um so we'll we'll actually we'll come on to that point um latterly. The first point I want to make is obviously the Kamal Roof injury. Uh he goes through on goal and he's kinda of one on one with an Aberdeen defender. I think it might be scales, um I can't can't quite remember. Um it does go down pretty heavily, um, lands on his shoulder and he does not get back up and subsequently he gets taken off. Now the first thing in my head is right, he's that's got to be a dislocation, you know what I mean? Because if it's that bad that he doesn't get back up and he looks in extreme pain, it's got to be a dislocation. However, um, Michael Beale has confirmed that there is no dislocation. He just took a bang to the, the shoulder. And this is the issue I have uh, with, with Kemal Ruff. Dave, I, I, I have heard from very reliable sources and I don't think it actually takes me to say that. I think it's quite fairly obvious now Kamal Roof has been fully fit in terms of physically fit for the last two or three months. Kamal Roof's issues are mental. Now, we had a player uh, with similar issues, Andy Webster, could not get going, did not trust his body, any wee tweak, any wee niggle. He he, he did not want to risk it. Um, however, when he went down a level or two, you know, I'm talking Dundee United, Hearts when he returned, St Mern, never missed a game. Are we seeing a repeat of that with Kamal Roof? Because I have to be honest with you, I think I think we are. Because you don't go off for the kind of injuries. Um, he's effectively went off because he's bruised his shoulder. Now, I know this kind of sounds a wee bit harsh, but I'm only going with the information that the Rangers managers provided. It's not a dislocation. If it's a dislocation, fine. Not a bruise. Um, this is a guy that doesn't trust his body. Um, you said that earlier, and I thought first I was like, I don't know, but then who was it doing south? Was it like that? There was a Daniel Sturridge. Daniel Sturridge was the one that was always accused of that, and I th- I'm starting to think now there may be something in it. Although I think for all we'll wait until we see. For all we know, he could have broke one of the bones in his arm or something. It could have been worse than it looked. But he went down holding his shoulder and off holding his arm. So I don't know, but maybe that's part of the the no trust in his body. Because if you remember, he did pop up for Seville. He played in that game after a period of injured, so he, he can clearly force his body to do it when he wants it, and. Uh, you will get guys who plough through injury who are always playing with a knock, and that's just part of the deal. Arvin Goldson probably fought in that category for us now, and guys who need a completely clean bill of health to want to play, and he's maybe one of them. But on the whole, I just think the boy's cursed. His, his body just doesn't seem to support the demands of being a professional athlete, as, uh, as much as that pains me to say, as I said a minute ago. Fully fit Kemar Roof, which is, I think that's his name, because that's where we, we get a fully fit Kamar Roof back. It's a total asset to the team. Great striker, probably one of the best strikers in Scotland. It's it's probably never going to happen over a long period of time now. He's never really had a sustained run of team. I'd be interested to look back and see what the most start, consecutive starts he's made as. I'd be surprised if it's as high as 10. That's not yeah. somebody you can rely on and somebody you can build a team. And unfortunately, there's a few. Ryan Jack was excellent today, but again... He falls into that category because we know we're going to lose Ryan Jack. If Ryan Jack's nice fit between now and the final, it will be a miracle and probably his longest period in about two years. So one of the, the key things for me in the squad overhaul is going to be getting guys who pass stringent medicals, 
clean bill of health who can continually contribute to the team. I don't know, maybe it's just me. This maybe comes from playing too much football manager, but I, I don't like it when guys are in and out of the team all the time. I think it's actually more disruptive yeah. having a great player who's in and out. And, oh, is he coming back? Because you're always waiting on him coming back. You're always waiting for that skill gap to be filled and then you lose him again. You'd be as well just going, right, this is what we've got. We've got Scott Arfield as an emergency 9.5 and that's it. And he just plays games, whereas we're always like, oh, right, respect, respect, respect. We're waiting on it all the time. And yeah. I th- but maybe it's just me, maybe it doesn't disrupt the squad, but it certainly disrupts my kind of thinking about it. No, no, I, I, get, you. I get your point there. Um, and, and Andrew, obviously, to one of Dave's points there, are we at the stage now where we clearly know what Kemal Roof, I fully think Kemal Roof can, can offer Rangers, um, but are we at the stage now where we just cut our losses because A, we can't rely upon him, and B, through no fault of his own, by the way, um, when when he isn't available, he's taken up a sizable chunk of the wage budget, so is it just, is the best thing to do just to obviously part ways with Kemal and, and look for a replacement, and we know that it's more than likely going to be a lesser replacement, but at least the the replacement will be reliable, which is what we need. Now, I get the quality issue. Um, the, 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 there will be a clear dilution in quality because Kamal Roofs aren't readily available, and if they are, they come with their issues, i.e. injuries. Let's be honest, that's the only reason that Kamal Roofs at Rangers. He should be a Premier League player, and um, probably would be a Premier League player if it wasn't for his injuries, but... I, I just I just can't see a way forward with Rangers and Kamal Roof. Um, particularly what what happened today is just very typical of of his career now um, at, at the club. I mean, I think for me, I, I agree with Dave. I think it must be disruptive to have a player who, because I think it has so many impacts not just on the squad but also on your strategy as well. You know, you can't really plan a a team building strategy around a guy who might or might not be fit, or if you're saying this guy's only going to be fit, you know, 50% of the time that he's here. Um, I'm looking back over his injury records, not only with us, but also with Leeds and uh, and um, Anderlecht as well. And yeah, it, he continually picked up injuries and that's not something that's going to improve. You know, he's 30 now. That's not something that's going to get better as, as he gets older in his career, unfortunately. So his deal was up in 2024. I don't think we should be renewing it, obviously. Um but then you compare Roof to someone like Scott Wright, you know, who gave him the assist for the goal. Scott Wright gets the shit kicked out of him every single time he plays. Like, it's a running joke between me and my dad. Every single time he comes onto the pitch, there's about five minutes go by and then he'll end up on his ass somewhere. But he stays fit. And I think that's, you know, I don't know if it's just down to a question of mentality, but we can rely on Scott Wright and we can plan around him existing as a player and someone who can contribute. Kamar Roof is someone we cannot plan around his contributions to the team because we don't know when he's going to be injured and when he's not. And that that represents a longer term problem for us. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty sad because as I say, well as Dave said, he's he's a quality player. I don't think that's in question at all. Um absolutely is not in question at all. And do you know what? Potentially going going by his track record going by what we know about him, potentially this could be one of the last things he does in the Rangers shirt and it's got us into a cup final. So everything that he does with Rangers positively has such a massive impact on the team. There's big goals all over the shop, you know what I mean? Late winners, goals to get us into the next round of cups, goals to get us into cup finals. Um, I just wish that we had a real good run out because I can tell you right now, we wouldn't have been nine points behind. And I can tell you right now, uh, we'd probably have a Europa League trophy in our cabinet as well, but that's just another story for another day. Um, as I mentioned prior to the roof injury, the, the game management towards the end, especially in that second half extra time, was just ridiculous. There was no composure. We seemed to want to attack, which is fine because you're going to kill the game off, but we then came at far too many men forward, so Aberdeen get us on the counter-attack. If we don't want to attack, we're sitting back. Again, that's fine because you're trying to soak up the pressure and, and see the game out, but we've got you know, six, seven men back and we're not picking up men and, and Aberdeen are putting balls in their box and the ball's landing to them and they're, they're creating chances. And then at the very last seconds of the game, the, literally the very last seconds of the game, Aberdeen create a, an opportunity outside the box where Rangers have just completely switched off and Alan McGregor has to make a fantastic save, obviously, to win the game. Uh, to to perform that type of game management in a semi-final is... Dave, you mentioned it. 
we don't get to Europa League final last year if that's how we play our, our football in terms of seeing games out. And it's just so typical of who we are this year. The, we've, we've changed everything. Now, we can blame Gio for some of it. We can blame players' mentality for some of it. But, but for me, it literally just comes down to decision-making, making the right decision at the right time. Because as soon, I know it's an old cliche, but as soon as those 11 guys go over that white line, it's, it's, it's in their hands. And... It could have been very costly because I don't think there's any doubt about it. If Aberdeen got that late goal, they probably would have been on and won in penalties anyway because that's just sort of kind of, it would have been very reminiscent of the St. Johnson game last year, uh, a couple of years ago where Xander Clark got the assist. As soon as they get that very last minute goal and extra time, you knew there was only going to be one winner because they had all the momentum. And we put that we put that all at risk for, for whatever reason, just to, I don't know, I, I don't know. Um, and that needs to stop and it needs to stop immediately. Um, we either go for the kill and get the kill and get that 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 killer goal, or we keep our shape, create no gaps, and see the game out. And you know we've seen it a couple of weeks ago for for all Celtic's fantastic record, let's say it, and getting late goals. We effect, we we effectively gave them that goal with the way that we just mismanaged the game. We had the chance with Tillman to make it three one. Okay, we didn't take it, so we then started to sit back, and then obviously a comedy of errors led to Kyogo getting that late equaliser. And if Aberdeen had a Kyogo, uh, you know, it could have been a very different outcome. Aye, you spoken about it at length to the point before. You're piling up risk and not seeing the game out properly. They've got sort of a Kyogo, they've got that boy Miofsky, they've got players who would quite willingly run through brickwash to hurt us. So you're, it's an unnecessary risk. And as I say, it seems to have crept in this real naivety. I just... I, in Europe, our game management was excellent. We were running at the corner, we ran the clock down, we rested in possession, we held onto the ball. It just seems to have disappeared completely. The debacle at Celtic Park, I was like, what am I actually watching here? These guys look as if they've never done this before. They don't know how to manage sections of the game. And obviously, that was a punishing defeat anyway, but we largely self-inflicted, to my mind. And today, the last five minutes, we had Kent get through, but he was kind of burst at that point and lost the ball. Charlie McCann, burst through and had two or three options and instead just lost the ball. Scott Wright, all he had to do, come back inside, look for a pass. See, even if he'd just chipped it with his foot towards the corner flag and ran after it, that would have been a better decision because it would just have ran the last seconds down and obviously the goalie would have come out, but at least then he's taking some of the heat off. It's a real naivety and it's going to have to go if we want to get in the mix for trophies because it's just, it's, it's too nice. You're trying to, it's the, just, it's the dark arts. We're not doing the, the, the smarter, dark outside of the game. And again, that's another occasion I was screaming and shouting at the telly where nearly a massive self-inflicted win. Because again, Aberdeen got it forward and it pings about your box like it did every time they get forward. And it's only a good save for McGregor, who actually I thought was man of the match, McGregor. I was slaughtering him early on, but a couple of big, big saves. Uh, it's only through him that we've managed to cling on and avoid penalties. And I agree. I just think if you've got the momentum, if you get that gallows reprieve, of the last minute equaliser, you're going into penalties buzzing, whereas we would have been getting in flat. So it would have been a enormous self-inflicted wind. Did you mean to kind of shove on that reference in, Gallows Reprieve? Did you write that down before the pod started? That's, that's fantastic, that. <laughs> no, no, Love. that's just off the cuff. Love it. <laughs> um, Andrew, stressful last kind of five minutes for you, was it? Oh, yeah, I was climbing the walls, man. Um <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the thing. He's away on holiday at the moment, so he's chilling on a beach in Morocco, and I'm having to give him text updates minute by minute because I think he's meant to be relaxing, but he was unable to do so because he knew we were in extra time. Um, I told him roof went off, and then he's like, well, who's come on to replace him? Who's come on to replace him? And it's like, fucking no one yet. That's a fairly um, decent point you made there, Andrew, because roof did come off, and it did take almost four minutes to replace him. And that, no, comes, that that that's not naivety from the players. That's I, I hate to say it because I think he's done a fantastic job up to now. That's naivety from a kind of a green manager, one for a better word. Um, that should have been done instantly. I think that, I, I remember like you've kind of just brought up a kind of sore point because that really really made me angry that we waited that long in a cup final when all that was doing was obviously um, echoing the 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 team line up with, with, the, with the opposition having a man down, it became 10 v 10. And 
I, I just cannot for the life of me work out why that took so long. I don't know if we were seeing if Roof could maybe have went back on or maybe a wee bit of confusion, so we maybe had to get a wee bit of confirmation if we were actually allowed to make an extra sub. But for whatever reason, it should just simply not have happened. Yeah, I think because it's it's an unusual rule because it's only an extra time that you can make that additional sub. So all I can think of is that we weren't aware initially that we could make the sub and we had to wait for McCann to get himself warmed up to actually come on. Yeah. Um so that, that's all I can think of. But I mean, I don't I don't even necessarily think that's even a rookie manager thing. I think that's just, you know, the uniqueness of Scottish football, as we've previously yeah. discussed, kind of thing. Yeah, so maybe you may be right. Yeah. But just just on Michael Beale, uh obviously the the game finished and well we'll progress to the final. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we were playing Celtic on Sunday, the twenty sixth of February at Hamden. Uh just a few, a few side notes here. We hope that the pitch is ready. Uh, or sorry, the pitch is in a better condition. We hope that we've got kind of two or three more quality additions into the team because God knows we certainly need them. Um, listen, the performances, Dave, for me, still not up to scratch. I will go as far as saying I still can't properly see what Michael Beale wants to do. Now, that's no fault of Michael Beale. I can see a difference. Of course I can see a difference. Um, but I feel that these players quite clearly can't implement what Bill wants, and Bill is damage limitation. Um, sorry, Bill is in damage limitation mode with this team. Just get the results, and you can tell that by the manner of it. Um, and that isn't necessarily a bad thing because obviously, as I mentioned, the mentality has got better. We have become stronger. We are uh, salvaging points from losing positions. We are salvaging progression in cups from losing positions. We are taking the game to Celtic and kind of that, that game last week, uh, very desperately unlucky not to get the three points. It's I just feel that there is an impending collapse on the cards with these players. I'm not saying that we've got away with it, but we certainly have got away with a few since Bill came in. You can look at Aberdeen, for example, uh, the, the game in the, 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 the league where we get two Two, two goals in the last minute. We certainly did get away with that, but you can also point to that as the mentality shifting there. So that's that's up for debate. But I suppose what I'm trying to say, Dave, is I start, I just do not trust these players. I do I trust Bill hundred percent. Uh Bill needs to be back in this window right now. He by okay, I'll give them the commando game. I'm I'm not gonna be happy with no signings for the commando game, but I'll I'll allow that. But certainly by the Scottish Cup game this weekend, next weekend, sorry, against St. Johnson, we need, absolutely need to have two two new players on the team. We cannot be into the 21st day of the transfer window without any new players because then we're at the stage where we're looking at, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but we're looking at panicking. We're looking at Delhi Alley coming in for six months because we're taking a punt a la Aaron Ramsey. We're looking at a few exciting prospects from Man U, Man City, Arsenal. We don't need that shit. We really, really don't need that shit. And the longer we go with these, with this group of players, the more inevitable it is for me that there is going to be a collapse, a self-inflicted collapse, not of Michael Beale's doing, but by the players doing, because that's just what they do. And I know I'm putting a negative slant on quite a positive result and obviously getting to a final, but in many respects, Dave... We did kind of get away with one today because the the sloppiness and the complete naivety, a better team punishes the Rangers for that. Aye, and we've seen that by the old fun game where you get punished for that. I totally agree. We need to get, the, the squad needs refreshed. We need four or, f- or five between now and the summer. Certain starters who are going to be team leaders. No projects, no guys who are coming in to try and find their feet. No, no tourists who are here for selfies on Instagram and they say they played for one of the, the old firm clubs. What we need, and this is a bold idea, right? I don't know if this will catch on. We need a guy who's got his peak years ahead of him, who's wanted by his current club, who's also wanted by other clubs, and for whom we have to exchange money for his services. Does that, that, that doesn't strike me as a kind of out there transfer strategy. But That's it's a mental tough. dive. What team do you think we support, mate? I know. Ross Wilson's that brazen, Dave, he would probably say, ah, but we have somebody like that, Ravi Matondo. Schalke wanted Ravi Matondo because Schalke told me that. <laughs> oh, again, mere naivety. It's the transfer strategy thus far is, as you say, try to oh, look at the shiny, shiny. Here's Aaron Ramsey, clearly not wanted by his current club. But every player we've signed in the last two or three windows has been on the road out of their current club one way or the other. 
and we've been suckered into taking them, and this is where it's led us. So it can't just be like this guy's at the end of the road here. Do you want them Rangers? I, I I have looked him up. He's got a Wikipedia, so I. Uh, the Matondos of the world, and I even lump in like Cholak and Tom Lawrence. They were on the move anyway. We've not had to go and prize them away for their club with an offer, so we need personnel. It's stale, and if they don't do it, they're going to be letting Beale down massively. I do think there's more to co- I think there's a wee bit more to come for this current squad because it is still the bulk of the team that won the league and got to the final. It's just taking a wee bit longer to turn the, the, the absolute performances around than I thought, which maybe shows how just how bad confidence had been shown. But yeah. I think the fact that we are showing a bit of guts, we're coming from behind more often than I would, well, we're coming, we're going behind more often than I would like, we're coming from behind pretty much every time, so that's that's a good sign. But as you say, it's, I think the performance is going in the right direction, and I'm reasonably happy that that's, there's signs of improvement, it'll be early days, green shoots, but it will count for nothing unless he's backed, but it is unsustainable. It's just, it's, it's a, there's a volatility to it where today could quite easily went the other way. Yeah, yeah, the Ulfram game could have went worse. The Aberdeen game up there, we pull the iron at the fire massively in other games as well. See, Dave, I look at it the other way with the Ulfram. I, I, I get what you're saying, that could have been worse. Uh, one or two in, I get, I, I honestly get that it was the very start of the window, so we're looking at, obviously, uh, a pretty much impossibility, but you, you look at Celtic had two new signings in their squad that, that, that game, so one or two decent quality signings could have actually won us that game. So that's the difference, you know what I mean? The difference doesn't have to always be uh, it could have went another way in terms of Celtic actually winning it. Um, it could have went another way if we actually improved the team, done our homework. I mean, we only had a full World Cup break to actually try and identify players, you know what I mean? It's not as if it's just ridiculous, it's just amateurish. Um, Andrew, is it is it that imperative to you as it is to me and Dave, or are you a wee bit more relaxed about it? No, I mean, <laughs> I don't think the squad's fine as it is. Far from it, you know. Um, we, we talked on one of the first podcasts that ever came out on Saturday at three, when we still thought we had Gio as the manager, that, you know, if we thought that he was going to be the manager going forward, he had to be backed over this window. The fact that we have a new manager in does not change that one bit. You know, this midfielders needed money spent for that. We actually had the last midfielder that we spent money on come on as a 118th minute substitute today in Charlie McCann. Um, who we got off of Man U's academy. That's the last midfielder we spent money on. Um, before that, we had 50 grand Glenn Kamara. So we, we need to invest in that area. It's an area of the team that has badly needed investment. You know, we should not still be starting games where we've got one of Jack Kamara or Lundstrom as as one of those two. And yet that looks like it's going to be the case until there's any kind of change. So Squad needs investment, 100%. I'm optimistic about how we've been performing under Beal, but I think we're at the stage where he is just, he is able to get the most out of this group of players. And that's great, but, you know, the the level of quality that we have, I think it's probably good enough to beat Celtic in a one-off game. You know, I, I think the old firm could have absolutely resulted in a win for us. But over the course of a season, this squad does not have the depth to compete at that level and it badly needs investment to ensure that it can do so. I'll just finish up with just saying, obviously, uh, our deputy chairman said that this is the best squad in his time at Rangers and, yeah, that's 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 where we're at. So When, just, when fully fit, probably, you know? You know, no, when every single member of this squad's fit, uh, which still, never, still, ever I, happens. I still disagree with it massively. I still disagree. I still, it's uh, still miles away. Yeah, miles and miles away. And, the, and the, the balance is off. The yeah. the the age groupings. We don't have any. We don't really have a glut of players at that the peak twenty five, twenty six. The contract lengths, if you want yeah. to include that as the overall picture, when he made that utterance, we're not, we still are still doing the barrel of Kent and Morelos leaving for nothing, potentially forty billion pound of talent walking out the door. The the comments were utterly ridiculous then, and that was before we knew just how shite Rabbi Matondo is. And by the way, it's easy to kind of think that I just took a cheap shot there, a, a, a kind of unwarranted cheap shot. It's not. That's my worry. My worry is that Michael Beale's come in. He's done a fantastic job up to now. He's got a tune out of these players. He's underperforming players. These players who have let us down massively this season. And the board may look at it as, ah, we're fine. We're in good hands here. We've got a guy that can actually get these these players playing. And they maybe not see the, they maybe don't see the urgency that we see because they're completely deluded. Um, and I want 
the deputy chairman, who, by the way, I like, I like a lot. I think he gave a very foolish interview, and I know I'm going back over old old ground here, but it's it's relevant in this context because these are the guys that are going to have to make decisions, big decisions this 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 window, um, and he has to rectify the the wrongs of that. Just uh, you're right, Dave. Utterance, just complete shape. That that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's no other way of putting it. It was just we're no stupid. We're no stupid, John. Um, and I think he knows that now. Uh, and it just has to be addressed. It simply, simply has to be addressed because we're now in a position where, for as rubbish as this season has been up to now, it can still be. We've got an old firm cup final. You know what I mean? When you win an old firm cup final. I look back at Alex McLeish, we didn't win the league that year, but by the way, I still remember those old Fun Cup finals because it was very, very special to me. So we've still got a chance of creating some nice moments. Um, let's just help the manager because he fully deserves it and he fully needs it. Um, very, very briefly, guys, we'll touch upon our next match, which is this Wednesday, the 18th, against Kilmarnock in the league at Rugby Park. A notoriously difficult place to go for Rangers. Um we did win our last visit there. Uh, James Tavernier scored the penalty. But prior to that, we have a very, very sketchy um, record there. Obviously, Connor Goldson get the, the last-minute winner, but we also had a few defeats. We think of the night Jordan Jones done the damage. Um, obviously, Kilmarnock uh, obviously had the, the last-minute penalty to get into Europe under Gerrard's first season. Um few draws and all a few defeats uh, under kind of Graham Murray and stuff like that. We historically don't perform well on this pitch. Uh, not talking about results, just talking about performances. Simply put, uh, Dave, the, I mentioned obviously the last win that we had there was a James Tavernier penalty during 55, where it was just the most probably the most boring game in that whole campaign. We created very little to nothing. We got the penalty, we got the win, we went down the road with the three points. More of the same. I would absolutely bite your hand off for that right now. Uh, I'd prefer it if it was a kind of comprehensive 3 0 win with a bit of football show, but I, it's just a case of going down there. It's going to be minus four or something this week. It's the snow. It's going to be horrible. They're horrible. The place is horrible. Pitch is horrible. The whole experience isn't the one I, I relish. And it's just a case of coming away from there with maximum. That's, that's about as far as it goes. But the, the saving grace, if you like, is that. They've had a tough game yesterday, so have we obviously the day, but they've had a tough game and generally speaking when teams go head to head with them back to back, they perform worse in the second game because they've had a chasing usually in the first game, so hopefully hopefully they're a wee bit tired and don't do their fucking usual. Yeah. That is the straw I'm cutting. <clears throat> yeah. Andrew, we've got uh, the plastic pitch, we've got Ash Taylor, we've got Alan Power and we've got Derek McInnes, Murderball. I mean, the recipe's there for, you know, a, a disaster. But I don't feel, because this is probably the worst Kilmarnock team uh, that we've probably come up come up against in the last 10 years. Albeit, obviously, come up against their relegation team. But that, that team still had some amount of talent in it, although it was in the way down. But certainly, this Kilmarnock team are no... <clears throat> they're, they're no great shakes at all. They're filled with absolute SPFL jobbers. Derek McInnes gets a harsh time off Rangers fans. I don't particularly buy into that. I, I don't mind Derek. I think, yeah, yeah, you could say he's a bit of a bottler as a manager, but you know what you get. He plays these strengths, and his strengths, as, as, as I mentioned, is just absolute murder ball. Um, just get out there with a few points. Performance is very much secondary for me. Uh, what about yourself? I mean, I prefer Dave's version, if only to not have to put up with you or moaning in the group chat. But, <laughs> like... It's a promise in this occasion. Like, uh, what, what I'm saying is, what I'll accept that I will not... I'll, I will take an absolute chasing, battering for Kilmarnock and a 1-0 win with a lucky bounce off the arse at Alan Power on mm-hmm. goal. And you will not hear a peep from me because I just want to hear with the three points because I just I cannot be asked for this game at all because I just know what we're going to be in for. See, right. see what you've just said there? <laughs> you know, have a peep. I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to post your contributions to the group chat on the Twitter account. That's, well, you'll get like, screenshots. 
You've certainly heard from take the lead and then build upon that and then they're turning off at half time. You obviously hear me then, but if it's no no at half time, I'll be relatively calm. But um I I won no scraping a one no win. I know this has been kinda of ultra negative, but, but Andrew, as I said, I get it. I get what the setup is at Kilmarnock. I get yeah. what the manager does. I get what the players do. Um it's not a pretty place, as Dave said, it's a very depressing place and I don't mean Ayrshire as a whole, I just mean rugby park. <laughs> like Killia are currently sitting 11th in the league they've got one win in the last five games on paper should be easy it's Rangers we know it won't be but you know I'm hopeful we'll get a result but that's that's all that matters at this stage of the season get the three points get the fuck out of there please hope that no one gets injured on the way yeah, well, I don't even uh, I don't even take that into account because obviously Rugby Park is probably the worst plastic pitch um, in the top flight, so the, the, we've got that to deal with as well potential injuries. So, I what what a what a match we've got to look forward to when in Wednesday. Can't wait. Um, yeah, so that just about kind of rounds it off. Rangers are in the cup final, the Vaya Cup cup final. As I said, we'll play Celtic 26th of February. We've got Kamala coming up in the league on Wednesday. Um, a chance to get another three points on the board. All we can do at this point is just sort of kind of hope Celtic slip up and we take advantage of that. Um, as unlikely as that sounds, but that's all we can do as long as we do our work. We will be back this week with two shows. Um, it will be two defeats from a crisis where we will be... Uh, reviewing the Commando game and previewing the St Johnson game which takes place in the 21st the Scottish Cup game in Perth at McDermott Park and then we will be back to obviously review that game also so two shows this week um, obviously the, the St Johnson preview and the Commando review will be out probably Thursday, Friday and then the review of the St Johnson game will we're hoping Sunday, very latest Monday, and then we go again. All that's really left for me to do, first of all, before I find the guest, is as always, we are on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I believe Eddie's even got us on TikTok now. We're on YouTube, uh, we're on Amazon Music, we are on Apple uh, Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we've got our own website. We will be looking to kind of have a, a more professional website in the very near future. We are everywhere that we possibly can. Um, and if you can like, follow, subscribe to any of our kind of platforms, as I've always said, uh, one like subscribe or follow goes a very very long way um, if you could do that for us that would be fantastic um, and lastly I just need to thank my fantastic guest first of all producer Andrew Andrew thanks very much mate no it's been a pleasure um, you know despite your best efforts um, it's still a pleasure to talk about a victory um, and you know be relatively positive on this pod so um, so yeah it's been good looking forward to seeing where Beal Ball takes us in the future I mean, if you're describing this actual podcast as being relatively positive, I can't wait till the time comes where I actually need to be negative, Andrew, because it's going to be one hell of a ride, man. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait for it. can't wait for it. And uh, as always, Dave, thanks very much, mate. Cheers, guys. Enjoyed it. Yeah. And uh, thank you to the listeners as well. Um, and as I said, we will be back this week, um, you know, Thursday or Friday, where we will be... Um, reviewing the commando game previewing the st johnson game and then we will be back reviewing the st johnson game which will be sunday on monday so join us then as well thank you very much